Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Brian O'Connor to my Tej Parker. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, desperately trying not to fall asleep at the microphone. Yeah, you're a buster, though. Uh, and our very own Roman Pierce. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you? I am very good. I am not sure of the reference. I am going to act like I am in the know. It's fast, very. It's Fast and the Furious. Uh, Roman is Tyrese Gibson. Which yes. I uh, and then uh, Tej it would be Ludacris. Oh, is that, am I the? Uh... And then Kevin. Kevin is Paul Walker. Okay. Uh, rest in peace. But uh, but you know that's why he's a buster. <laughs> Wait, who am I? You're you're Roman. You're Tyrese, dude. Oh, he's very obnoxious in those movies. But yeah, very well, funny. he's an obnoxious yeah, human you're being. You're the comic relief character. Yeah. My I'm, abs are dope. I'm ludicrous. Luda. Okay, so, um, yeah. I All bet right. you couldn't recite anything off chicken and beer, which I can. Go ahead, Nathan. Sorry. Okay. I got hose in different area codes. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> got him. Speaking uh, of area codes, we're uh, zooming in on the, the, what, 206? Is that what uh, Renton is? Uh, sure. Why not? If, if it isn't, it is now. 425. It could the be 425. It could be 425. We're zooming on the 425. It, it could be both. You know, it could be like... It could be split. It could yeah. be halfsies. Maybe Wrightson is shared between two area codes I don't live in, personally. Um, but whatever. Okay, let's get let's get down to it. Seahawks this week. Um, the Seahawks had a second visit with Nottam Kong Su. They had, they've had a visit with Ziggy Ansa. They've had a visit with Nick Perry. They've had a visit with... Um, Oh, and Eric Berry too. So, right? so a lot of people are saying that starting at four today, for today, literally today, yes. you can sign guys and not have them count toward the compensatory pick formula. So a lot of people are thinking that those those names are going to come in pretty quick as potential guys to Seahawks. So we're going to ask it one last time: What if any of the free agent defensive and defensive tackles, Danny Shelton, uh, Ziggy Ansah, Nottam Kong Su, uh, Nick Perry, do you want? Two of them, three of them, one of them, none of them. Uh, Eric, what do you want? What are you looking for? It all depends on the money, but I mean, ultimately, two guys would be great. Uh, Nick Perry kind of piqued my interest a month ago, but the Dolphins seem to be heavy in on him. Again, this is all speculation, but uh, Ansa, I don't know. The one-year prove-it deal sounds good with him. Dominican Sue, this guy is a guy who's not as disruptive as he used to be, not as good, still pretty disruptive, still kind of a punk. I kind of want to see what it would be like with him here. But, again, I don't – I don't know. Two other guys who are just as good would be awesome to me. Okay. I would like either they them to sign three of those guys. So, Ansa and Perry or Shelton and Perry. I want three of them. I think we need a lot of depth in that position, position group in particular. Or I would like to see them get two – and then back up the guaranteed money truck to Trey Boston's house and say, hey, well, you know what? No one will give you anything but private wow. deals. How about we give you three years, $27 million with $19 million in guarantees and say, Trey Boston, please come play for the Seattle Seahawks. Because you know what? The fact that that guy can't pick up like $20 million in guaranteed money is a joke. He had the highest coverage rating of any safety in or any any player in the NFC West last year. He was a very strong sa- safety. How was he in the NFL, though? And also, is you're, the NFC West not in the NFL? Like, I'm, you're going four teams. I want 32 teams. No, I mean on those four teams, he was the best one. Yeah, I don't I, understand I why, why Trey Boston can't get a deal. It just doesn't make sense to me. He's 26 years old. He's not even old. No, it's. I agree. It's weird. I I think it's an undervaluing of the strong safety position. Um, I'd be a fan of that plan. I would be happy with either Ansa or Perry. 
Um, Ans is a health question. Perry's a production question. But both of them would add depth as, uh, in the form of a pass rusher. So and I'm good with that. With As long as we don't like give Bobby Wagner his contract right now or what we do give him is an extension, we can, we can afford multiple of these guys. We yeah. have quite a bit of cap room right now. And Shelton's not going to be that expensive. I think Shelton is a low-key really good signing to hold down that nose tackle position. Um, he's a guy who, again, if you're looking for a guy who can do a little bit of penetration, but mostly just be a first and second t- down defensive tackle, like he's that he's that big body guy. It, and it makes it so that we don't have to just be like, hey, we're going to throw you to the wolves, Puna Ford. We can still Hey, measure- DeMarcus Christmas, we're relying on you to be a thing. Yeah, we can measure Puna's snaps and make sure, because Puna's going to be good. Don't get me wrong. But if we play Puna 80% of snaps this year, we're in trouble. You there's, don't pay any problem. interior lineman that much. Yeah, we exactly. need to be playing him 40, maybe 35% of snaps. I'd we're be best like. with a good rotation, and we have the option. To, we have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, we have the opportunity to create one for sure. So, uh, okay, that was pretty much all the Seahawks news as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, Are we going to talk about uh, rookie training camp in context of the next segment? Yes. So then, All right. Uh, yeah, rookie training camp was this week. Uh, I thought it was really fun how they, you know, post a bunch of videos so you can kind of get an idea of what these guys are are like, and you could see them all run the same drill, so you can maybe get a feel for how they compare to each other, which I thought was pretty interesting. But we'll be talking about that in just a second because we're going to go right into that position group. Um, any NFL news you guys thought was actually interesting this week? Um, no, no. Everyone's in the same boat, looking at free agents, bringing them in, not wanting to lose comp picks. I'm kind of surprised the Seahawks didn't roll the dice on one guy early, but they obviously this didn't was, need to. There's the there's some post draft stuff where everyone's doing the Spider Man meme around who may have gotten uh, jo- Daniel Jones in the first round. Um, as so as everyone's like, uh, no, no one is, no one was going to do that. Okay, uh, my favorite uh, story this week was Carryon Johnson's quote. He just said, I get to come to work in sweatpants and shirts. I get to go out and play a game that I've been playing since I was five years old. I get to go home, and I get to come back and do it all again. I don't have to sit in a cubicle. I don't got to do no spreadsheets. No, nothing. Carryon Johnson <laughs> providing some much-needed perspective as he goes into his next 7-9 and nine season with the Detroit Lions. Um, <laughs> Matt Patricia, because every generation needs a Jeff Fisher. Uh, all right, so... Let's Nathan get, with the high praise and the low berry. Let's get. I'm. I gotta. You know. You're gonna team me up like that. Take it out. Of, I'm gonna knock it out of the park. So, the uh, Seahawks mini camp. It broke. We got to take a look. First look at the rookies, and that really got me thinking. Like, what's this final roster gonna look like? Um, we're at the point now where, like we said, maybe three guys get added, and they're most likely all defensive players. This team seems stacked on offense. Uh, the, we already were one of the highest scoring offenses in the league last year and one of the best at big plays and one of the best at running the ball. So I don't see any of that stuff totally changing. I feel like if anything, it's going to be better than it was last year. So let's get started with the wide receiver position group right now on the roster. The Seahawks are carrying a staggering 13 wide receivers, uh, which is at least double the number they will carry into the regular season. Doug Baldwin, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jaron Brown. David Moore, Amara Darbo, Malik Turner, Terry Wright, Gary Jennings, Keenan Reynolds, John Ursua, Caleb Scott, and Jazz Ferguson. So let's start with this. Deadlocks. Who are the guys that are deadlocks? They are 100% going to make this final roster. Eric Ronnebeck, who you got? Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Agreed. DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. 
flip a coin. Um, I see him on the roster. Yeah. Um, those two guys. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna add Gary Jennings. I think Gary Jennings is a one thousand percent lock to make the roster. Okay, I think that's fair. Uh, I'm so not saying none of these guys are other locks. I just so that's lock of the week locks. Those, those guys are my the, two. Those guys are the only three in my opinion. I mean, obviously Doug, if healthy, is a dead lock to yeah, make yeah. the roster. Right but at this point, I'm assuming he starts the season on pup list bare minimum. Uh, so so we're 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 gonna pretend like for the rest of this conversation, do we all agree Doug is on the pup list and doesn't count towards roster considerations? I agree. And if Doug is not on the pup list, he's probably cut. then we're gonna count him as. Whatever, whoever the last person we say is in just isn't. Yeah, because he can play any wide receiver correct. position in our system, and he's super. He's a super lock. Okay, so Kevin, do you agree that with Metcalf, Lockett, and Jennings as as three basically locks? Uh, I would like to give a. I would like to go one step further. Oh no, I like this, Kevin. Kevin's about to step out on a limb. I love it. I'm gonna give you two either ors. That will make up the next two locks. Yeah, I was gonna say. Then we, we go into the probable guys. So so you, I so think these guys are your your should be ins or probably ins. I think player. one of uh, Jaron Brown or David Moore, and one of Keenan Reynolds or John Ursua are the next man in. Okay, so that would give us Metcalf, Lockett, Jennings. Then let's just say David Moore and John Ursua. That's five wide receivers. For, that's the next question is is there room for a sixth guy on the Seahawks roster? If it's a if it's Keenan Reynolds, probably. If it's Amar Darbo, nope. Amar Darbo is Amar Darbo gone, offers no gone. flexibility. In other words, gone. Did you see that uh that news article that came out this week that or is on Twitter where uh was it, who was it? It was our old uh, it was one of our old coaches. Uh he said like we got we picked a guy and we got him on the field and we just instantly knew that that this this was not it. <laughs> this was he was not the guy. Ooh, and that's a bad side. It was, and it was definitely he was definitely talking about Amara Darbo. Was it I'm almost it was a thousand cable, percent was it? sure? No, it was it was an offensive coach that is still in the league. I just can't why can't I remember this right now? Oh whatever, it doesn't matter. But you, you was know, it Bevel? No. <laughs> Uh, Bevel would never bury a guy like that. He's a he's Mormon, man. Like that. He's just Mormon. <laughs> say what you want about the Church of Latter Day Saints. They are very respectful, and they would never do such a thing. I will and say this. Be too busy hyping up John Ursula. I will say this about Kevin's picks, and I, this is why I liked it very much, is because uh, with the names that I mentioned, and then the name you added on, Nathan, that's a whole lot of inexperience. Not only at the NFL level, but at the Seahawk level, um, it's basically just Tyler Lockett and dudes. As much as we like them, I mean, are you, if you are you really ready to call DK Metcalf just a dude? Uh, no, but I'm really ready to say that he is not NFL experienced. Yeah, I, would say you, say I would say he's. I would say, say he's a dude. Is he gonna? Yeah, is he gonna have a thousand face. yards though? Yeah, to his face. Well, he's as tall as I am. So you know, I you know what he'd have to say to you. Same thing he had to say to Stephen A. Smith. Oh, uh, but you've never seen a DK Metcalf like me or whatever. That's right. He runs four that's three right. three yes. at six four two thirty. And then I will go. I'm sorry. That's right. I understand. My pal Kobe Bean Bryant. <laughs> okay, so then we're all in agreement that these following players uh, have a very tough road to making the Seahawks final roster: Malik Turner, Terry Wright, Caleb Scott, and Jazz Ferguson. Speaking and Amar Darbo. Speaking of some dudes. So Jazz Ferguson, I will say this. I was kind of excited about the physical profile. Someone mm-hmm. posted a video to us on Twitter, and I was like, hmm, interesting. And then I watched uh, that video, and then I watched the drills that they did, the position drills, and I was like, this guy is much worse footwork than all these other rookies. And Dude's kind of a baby giraffe out yeah, there. It's just like, it's cool, man. I, mean, it, I wouldn't mind practice squatting him and tr- hoping you can turn it, into some, turn it into a thing because the 
physical body is very very appealing but yeah the, he's got he's got a lot of ability but like he runs routes like people say dk metcalf runs routes mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so um so we're on agreement five or six wide receivers uh probably one of Dar- david moore and jaron brown taking the taking the cut and then the the other guy will either be the keenan Reynolds, john or sua might the that person we might keep both if we keep six, but otherwise one of those two guys. I think we're probably keeping six just for special teams reasons, yeah, as well as there's a lot of it special depends teams on where we're gonna pinch all over yeah. this roster too. They have, yeah. they have done a really good job building up uh, special teams depth. All right, let's go to offensive tackle. The, right now we've got Dwayne Brown, George Fant, Jamarco Jones, Jermaine Effetti, and Elijah Inconsa. In- in- yes. Okay. If you had to ask me, they will keep four of those guys. Uh, uh, four of those five. So, I mean, I, I'm going to guess Elijah and Kansa doesn't make the final roster. Uh, would you, we all really... Unless Jamarco Jones is continually... We all injured. really liked what we saw from Jamarco Jones last year. Um, what what do you what are your expectations for him, Kevin, coming into this year? Uh, my expectations are that in an ideal situation, he'll be a quality swing tackle. He's a guy who I still think could develop a little bit better on his footwork um and even his conditioning coming off an injury i'm really interested to see what his body looks like because he's a guy who carried maybe not the he didn't carry his weight necessarily the greatest way um he was one of those guys who got the job done ugly and so i would be interested in seeing what he looks like this preseason but he's got some skills like he knows how to get in the guy's way he knows how to do what's expected of him He's a really, like, his floor is a uh, swing tackle that you put in who won't embarrass you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say a couple things about Jamarco Jones. One, his college tape was pretty good. I think we, we all, when we started to research him last year, realized, like, this guy actually put some really, really good stuff on tape. Um, but, Playing left tackle for Ohio State. He played left tackle for Ohio State. Um, he's He does a lot of interesting things. Like, he can get to the second level really well. He he finds block guys to block, which is something I always really like to see. Uh, He's not just standing around waiting for a guy to come to him. What I want to see from him this year is I want him to really push Afedi. Um, Afedi has been allowed to be medium to bad for four years now. And if he's not going to take the leap this year, I want Jamarco to really push him. Because that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, I think that's why we're not picking up the option is because the team's looking for either Jamarco or Fant to push for that right tackle job. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so the guards. Iapati and Fluker, Jordan Simmons, Ethan Posich, Jordan Roos, Phil Haynes, and Demetrius Knox. Can we talk about Phil Phil Haynes for a sec? Yeah, sure. He's a be- beefy boys was uh, was not a... You know, I was really excited about beefy boys, and it, it delivered... Uh, even in no pads, I'm really excited about Phil Haynes already. Um, I think this that is, dude's an athletic refrigerator. I think that this is the the push that we needed to get Ethan Posich to center, <laughs> but um, <laughs> or off the roster. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I think Posich has a lot of potential as a center. Yeah, but Brandon and I think po- Joey Joey Hunt has zero potential as a center, <laughs> which Joey is Hunt? why that's an easy uh, yeah, thing to do. Justin Britt and uh, Posich their their contracts expire at the same time, and you really have not tried out Posich at center. At all, so if you if you want to just plug him in and see how he's gonna work, you need to do that now. Yeah, yeah, I would look to see that in training camp. My my suspicion is that we're gonna see a lot of. We can just get into it now because we talked about all the center guys. I think Postich is sliding over to center and pushing Joey Hunt for that backup job. 
Uh, and then the the guards will be Eopati, Fluker, Simmons, and Haynes. Uh, Roos, I always thought there was a lot of potential there, but it just never seemed to come together for him in a Seahawks uniform. His That's, footwork just isn't there. Yeah. Like, I just don't think he has the lateral quickness to handle things. And he doesn't have the weight either to, like, make up for it by just being, like, a big tub of goo that's fell space. Yeah, I think he needed to be a defensive end yeah. at some point in time, and he could have probably had a better NFL projection. All right, Demetrius huh. Knox. We kind of overlooked him. Uh, oh, he's a UDFA. He's a UDFA. He went to. He also went to Ohio State, just like our guy, uh, Jamarco. I he got don't, injured. He got injured, and I don't think he's that bad, to be honest with you, but it seems to me just from like my read on the situation, that it his way to the roster is practice squad. I feel like Demetrius Knox is fighting Jordan Roos for that practice squad spot. And I would expect Demetrius to win that job. I think Jordan's had a lot of chances, and he even had a chance to play in a couple you know regular season games, and it just didn't, didn't ever happen. I would tend to agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tight ends. So we kept we kept uh, like what four tackles, two centers, and four guards. So we that nice solid ten offensive linemen. Yeah, all right, then which is ideal. We've been keeping eleven the last few years, which there might be that temptation with uh, Upadi <laughs> and Fluker, but I think that we have enough roster flexibility to make it work. Uh, another thing too is they played fan as basically like a bonus tight end, and that I think also encouraged them that it was okay to keep eleven. Gives you a swing well, roster. Now spot. that we go when we go to the tight end spot, you're going to see that that will not be the case this year. Uh, nope, Vinette, Vanette Disley, Jacob Hollister, Ed Dixon, Tyrone Swoops, Mike Dean, and Justin Johnson. Um, Eric, Swoops. you you did a little Mike Dean look ahead. Did, what did you see there from uh, Western Kentucky's finest? Did I do a Mike Dean? Oh, I thought you said you you watched. No, uh, his... no, I did not look at Mike okay, Dean well, at all. I, well, I looked at Mike Dean. Please illuminate. Tell us all about your Dean. Um, I saw the name and I was like, Nah, it's a tight end. Don't. He's really do athletic, but not a good blocker. How about that? He ha- he'll have to learn how to play the position at the NFL level. He's he's the new Tyrone Swoops. Yeah, which last year this I'd say not this time. I, was but so, I wanted Swoops to really make last it. Last August just, we were really high on Swoops, and just, they were they cut him. Then they signed him back to the practice squad. Then they cut him. Then they put him back on the practice yeah, squad. Then they activate him. Then they put him back on the practice hilarious. squad. It's hilarious. There's there's something about that guy that they are not super high on. I just, well, he's a converted college quarterback. Like, yes, he did not play tight end, but he looked. So good in two plays, Kevin. He's also just an athlete. So here's my athlete. Here's my hot take. You're or hot take. You ready? I think five tight ends. I think we're gonna keep four tight ends, (laughs) which is kind of a lot. Go. Uh, I think that, but I think Vanette, Disley, Hollister, and Dixon have all, on some level, earned their keep. Uh, They all do. They all do slightly different things. Nick Vanette's uh, kind of the more balanced attack. Disley's the great blocker. Hollister's just a straight receiver, and then Dixon is can kind of fill in any of those spots. But I would say his best thing is receiving, Uh, and that just those guys are all established professionals. The only way I can see them deciding to cut Ed Dixon is if they need to clear out a little bit of cap room to get one of those defensive guys that we talked about earlier in the podcast. So I think they'd cut Vanette before they cut Dis, uh, Dixon. I think they would cut Dixon because they'd save money. Yeah, and also in a year we don't need reliable. the money though. I think Vanette. I think Vanette's good. He battled injuries for the first couple of years. I thought he put together a productive, solid season last year. I thought he was fine. There's he's not like Nick Vanette is never going to be like oh so exciting, but he's like uh, when we used to have Carlson. Yeah, but like, la- yeah, he does stuff. Oh, John Carlson. Yeah. Uh, John Carlson's first year was good, and then he just bottomed out every year after that. Uh, the thing about Vanette is that 
last year was it was like he was, that was supposed to be the year he was going to take over, and Disley took it right from him. That's why I would not be surprised if Vanette just moved on. Um, I can I can dig that. My my thing is that I mean last year he had thirty receptions and seventeen of them went for first downs. Like that's just he's just really good at at moving the chains, doing the, the little things. Uh, 142 of his 274 yards came after catch, you know, fighting for those extra yards. Uh, Russell Wilson had 115 rating when targeting uh, Nick Vanette. I just, I don't know. I think he's super solid. A 73% catch rate. It's He's not exciting. I he, I think it comes down to if we keep four guys, because like Kevin said, there's, Dixon is the money, but he's also the veteran, and you can't, I think you have to probably keep a veteran. And I guess, hell, I guess Vanette's that veteran, right? I was about right? to say, Vanette was the 2016 draft. At this point, he is a veteran. Yeah, now. third and fourth year. I mean, is this going into going into Vanette's fourth year? This is his, he is a veteran, yeah. So maybe, maybe yeah. That's, I think that maybe that might be a competition. We could watch Ed Dixon versus Nick Vanette in the preseason. Um, I don't think you trade for Hollister and then just get rid of him. They obviously saw something there that they liked. And when I watched Jacob Hollister's preseason games from last year, because that's all he had, he got hurt. Um, he's a very good pass catcher. If Hollister's off the roster, it's because Swoops took a big step forward, mm-hmm. and I think that's fine too. Um, all right, quarterback. Our quarterbacks are Russell Wilson and Paxton Lynch. I don't expect Taron Christian to push. Oh my gosh, guys. the quarterbacks look like hot garbage. Yeah, it, it made it harder to evaluate the wide receivers <laughs> <laughs> because the quarterbacks were not appealing in any way. Uh, but yes, those are our two guys. Unless Lynch gets hurt. Those two guys are on the team, and then Taron Christian will be on the practice squad as a breaking case of glass player. I don't even think he'll make the practice squad. I think we'll end up with somebody else by then. Signing, you're, so we'll you're, sign somebody else's uh, egg that got cut, or like somebody who was someone's sixth round pick last year. When Magoo gets released, we'll get a, a the guy like that of Houston that ended up on on the uh, Panthers, mm-hmm. and then the Panthers drafted Will Greer this year, so we'll get that guy. All right. Um, that's <laughs> pretty good, Kevin. Here we go. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know if we'd have time, but we do have time for the defense. Kyle Allen. That's what it is. the uh, Kyle Allen. Yeah, that is it. Uh, the defense. Uh, we kind of wanted to. I was kind of running wait just running back. We oh, we do have running backs. Well, this is like the easiest position though. We have we have seven of them. Yeah, and we're keeping four, and we're cutting CJ Procise, Adam Choice, and Post Scarborough. Uh, yep. I I guess there's a small chance that Did somebody beats out JD McKissick? somebody beats out JD McKissick, but he's such a valuable special teamer, and I think the team just loves the idea of him as a gadget player enough to give him like nine snaps a game. You know what I love? I love that we are no longer pretending to carry a fullback. Oh, thank God! Yeah. That's a roster that spot that so we can better use every couple because of years. I'd rather see Rashad Penny and Chris Carson line up both in the backfield. Well, I'd or rather something. I'd rather see Keenan Reynolds make the roster, or you know something like that. I just don't. I don't need to see. Yes. We have um, moved away from that system, and I'm glad that we've embraced that from a roster-building sense. I'd rather see them come out with six offensive linemen than a, than a fullback. Fullbacks, they're P, uh, Go to Fink, was it, uh, Football Outsiders <laughs> did a study of, like, what formations are the weakest, and, like, two anything with a fullback in it was almost always negative value, which is yikes. And okay. not surprising. Now, the def- defensive line. This is the position we expect to add a little thing, but I, I don't think the cupboard is totally bare here. Uh, the defensive ends we'd have quentin jefferson rasheem green brandon jackson lj collier cassius marsh and nate orchard uh, i would expect us to keep five of those guys probably orchard bites the dust do you guys see anything differently there that i am not seeing yeah no. i think it's brandon jackson fighting orchard yeah and then brandon jackson and jackson just, has the inside track jackson has the inside track just because he's been on our practice on and off our practice squad for a couple uh, years nate orchard has a lot of physical tools but he's just never been able to stay healthy his whole career 
Yeah, and he's it's four years, and he's a. I be honest, like the physical profile is three four outside linebacker, which makes him a, a weird keep with Jacob Martin sticking around. Which I included him with the linebackers, but let's be honest, Jacob Martin in our system is a is a defensive end. Uh, uh, yeah, and I, I I would like to make a pitch a case for Barkevius Mingo in that usage as well, and we'll yeah, talk about that. In a second. I'd like to pitch a case for Barkevius Mingo being off the team, but we'll do that in a sec. Uh, okay, defensive <laughs> tackles: Jaron Reed, Naz Jones, Puna Ford, Brian. Monet. That's how, that's how I'm saying that one, guys. Yeah, Jamie Mater, Jamie Mater, Demarcus Christmas, and JT Tuley. So this position group, this is I think the the thinnest one. I would see. I would expect us to keep four of these guys. Probably keeping Reed, Jones, Ford, and Christmas. Uh, do, uh, did you see anything? Did you guys see anything about either of these uh, UDFA's that excited you? That might think uh, think we keep a fifth defensive tackle. No. Yeah, that this is this. <laughs> I think this is a position where we need to sign. Some I mean, depth. Monet's huge. But yeah. yeah, I would much rather sign Danny Shelton to be safe. Yeah, Monet takes up space, but he doesn't or, really go anywhere with it. Yeah, and I, I, I think, I think Danny Shelton will be a legitimate roster upgrade at this point, especially because they keep toying with the idea of uh, playing Nas Jones a little bit at base defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have enough bodies at D tackle to make that smart. Correct. That's a hundred percent true. I mean, Rasheem Green and LJ Collier can slide into three tech if you need them to, but then you're playing Naz Jones on first and second down at defensive end so that you can free those two up to play three tech. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah we're we're clearly one like big solid tackle short. Okay. How are you? How are you guys uh, feeling about Naz Jones so far this year? Like, are you are you confident he's going to make the team? I'm still very high on Naz Jones. I love his skill set. I like the way he plays. There were clearly some consistency issues and some off-the-field stuff. Not like a bad locker room guy, but maybe like his ability to take the coaching that seemed to hold him back at the beginning of last season. You could tell that the staff wanted something more out of him, but the way that the team was able to move away from our duo from Minnesota tells me that they see something in him. All right, there are two classes of Seahawks linebackers. This is linebackers they're going to use at defensive end and uh, regular old linebackers. Basically, linebackers that would be uh, rushing the passer and linebackers who, on a nickel package, could play. Okay, so let's start with the ones that are going to be playing some defensive end. That's Barkevious Mingo, Jacob Martin, and Shaquem Griffin. Yep. And I'm going to tell you there's only room on the roster for two of these guys, and and that does not bode well for Barkevious Mingo. Um, Barkevius Mingo is just not productive enough. He's not productive enough at, at what he's doing. He's 28 years old. He's not getting any younger. Um, and I just think he's, he never really delivered on his tremendous physical talents. Now, There's a little bit of money to free up there as well. It, it sucks because I think he's a good, like, solid veteran to have around the team. But, but if we could swap him out for Nick Perry, why we, aren't we? Like, just 48. He had two forced fumbles last year. Like, he wasn't, like, bad, but he had one sack. You know, it's like for a guy who we I think are going to expect at we, whoever we keep here, we're going to expect them to to do a little pass rushing. And I think Martin is the the most the best of those guys, and and then Griffin is the interesting developmental project, right? I'll go one step further. Not only do I think Jacob Martin showed out better as a pass rusher, I think Jacob Martin showed out pretty similar in coverage, and that's the truly damning thing for Barcavius Mingo because. I think with Martin, we have to be able to theoretically have him cover a guy in a pinch. And you're not really comfortable with either of those two doing it, but you're kind of equally uncomfortable. 
on if I'm like Barkevius Mingo's covering that guy, you're like, uh but if I'm like Jacob Martin's covering that guy, you feel about the same about that. Yeah. You're like, cool, they're both below average. And Mingo never got the pass rush we thought he was gonna get. Uh, lack of coverage. I, I agree with Nathan. I don't really see this guy on the roster. We didn't have him put his hand in the ground very much, but I, I agree. I just think there's better things we could be doing with that roster spot yeah. at this point. So I'd expect that that, that kind of flexible rush end spots to go to Martin and Griffin. And then that leaves probably four spots for for the uh, for the other two linebacker positions. Oh, I'm excited about this. So this is a this is kind of a battle. We got Emmanuel Ellerby, Austin Calitro. They're they're uh they're towards the, I think the outside of this argument and then the inside track Bobby Wagner and KJ they're they're in Michael Kendricks Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvan um I think there's a legitimate shot five of these guys make the roster because they the Seahawks have no choice they're yep. just too good this I is agree it's it, a deep position they group. could force their hand and we could go a little thinner at DB because of it it all hinges on if uh, Michael Kendricks goes to jail right. Yeah, if he goes to Martha Stewart jail, then we're stuck. Uh, but if he stays on roster, then I could see us carrying four D tackles. Yes, in uh, order okay. to keep that extra linebacker, or or like one less cornerback. Um, yeah, specifically, I, I look at the uh, defensive line because I think the team like us would probably look at Jacob Martin as basically a D end. Yeah, keeping maybe he beats out both Brandon Jackson and Nate Orchard, and they kind of say Jacob's both. He's a linebacker and a defensive end. We're kind of covering 0. 0.5 of each of these spots, right? Or actually, because Jake Martin rules 0. 0.75 of one of these <laughs> spots, uh, and 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 saying that's that's a that's kind of a what their what their plan is. Because Ben Burkerman came in and they immediately put him at KJ Wright spot, which makes a ton of sense in my opinion, okay. but for a variety of reasons. Uh, he's the more ready-to-go prospect, and K.J. Wright has health questions, and Michael Kendricks has Martha Stewart questions. Okay, Eric. Yeah. I know you're. I know maybe your take factory isn't ready, but you better get your take factory ready because here comes a, here comes this. I'm gonna throw a fastball down the middle. I'm ready. Boys, bacon. Okay. The Seahawks have not made any negotiations with Bobby Wagner yet. Yeah. They drafted I, I wear, middle linebacker the... Cody Barton. Do you think that the Seahawks? long-term plan is to is to play a little hardball with Bobby Wagner and if he doesn't want to to bend just go with Cody Barton um I think that's definitely a possibility I read a lot of Bobby Wagner no news this week is in he's had no contact with the Seahawks about an extension he will not be taking a discount he's his own agent um Bobby Wagner's great and I think that you can you can build a middle of the field around Bobby Wagner and I love him and he's a Seahawk for life uh, there was a who's the player who set the linebacker market this offseason? CJ Mosley. Thank yep. you. Um, I don't. That was a really bad contract too. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. I don't want to see. Would that be a really bad contract if given to Bobby Wagner? But the thing is, we have to beat that now. Yeah, we don't have to just. Yeah, but what if we like? Uh, what if we Frank Clark beat it by five hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, I'm into that. And also, <laughs> how many years is CJ Mosley? Four. Four years. Ooh. Four years for Bobby Wagner. I don't know, That'd man. Be perfect. Going into the age thirty-two season, like he probably can cash in one more time. Oh, I guess yeah. He's, he's that's true. He's a hair younger. Um, I forgot he's a year. Younger. Um, you know what? I think that's a possibility, Nathan. I'd like to say that they're going to keep Bobby Wagner. I don't think that you're going to be playing Burkirvan and uh, forgot his name already. 
um, enough to Cody Barton. Cody, Cody Barton. Yeah, yeah, I'll get Cody there. Barton is a heat-seeking miss. Believe Cody me, Barton, I know. I read all up on him last week. He sounds the most like he could be from old timey West. Depend out of any prospect. We <laughs> uh, depending on what scouting report you read, Ben Burkirvan or Cody Barton are the best linebackers on our team outside of Bobby Wagner. Um, yeah, it depends on which one you read. Yeah, those people. Those people are like me four years ago. Just yeah, they're just super excited. disrespecting KJ Wright, and I once again, KJ, I'm sorry. You proved yeah. me wrong on the field a million times. If KJ Wright so wasn't dragging a leg, I would still be all in on him. Yeah, that's but the he's thing. Kind was, of dragging a leg. I think you're asking a lot for one of those guys to pull Bobby Rain, uh, Bobby, <laughs> pull the reins on uh, Bobby Wagner and uh, take over for him. Right. I would. The I'd like to say that is, we're going to keep him. If KJ does end up moving on after this season because he's on that one year deal, and Bember Curvin ends up taking that spot, for instance, um, or Cody Barton, that's a lot of money saved. That's a lot of money saved. Mm-hmm. All right, we move into DB. All right, DB. All right, so the let's go corners first. Shaquille Griffin, Trey Flowers, hundred percent in. Akeem King, four hundred percent in. I I don't think there's any way. Ugo Amadi, seven billion percent in. So now so now we're left with probably like seven guys. Uh, I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys fighting for maybe two roster spots. Remember, Ugo Amadi is probably going to be a point five safety, point five corner. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with he's already in. I'm gonna guess he's gonna be another Jacob Martin, point seven five for both. One point five players. That's how good he is. Okay, good with that. Um, so these guys are fighting for like two roster spots probably. Uh, Nico Thorpe. Which my heart won't be able to take it if he doesn't make it. Uh, Callan Reed, Jeremy Boykins, Devontae Davis, Simeon Thomas, Jalen Harvey, and Derek Thomas. All right, so let's talk UDFAs: Jalen Harvey, Derek Thomas, Devontae Davis. Um, well, let's just say this: the Derek Thomas, the the Baylor guy, is like the most uh, physic- so physical, toolsy. Like, um, I'm gonna make this guy into a a, a player got he has crazy length for a cornerback kevin how long do you think his arms are he's got 33 inch arms i think 33 and three quarters dude he's yeah. almost 34 inch arms so and his arm length is still an inch short of dk metcalf <laughs> yeah dk metcalf but compared to dk metcalf like comparing to godzilla um, i know i know but uh 10 inch 10 inch hands so just 40 inch vertical complete honesty 4.44 33 inch uh our, uh, arm length is considered what you need to be a left tackle in the NFL. It's, it's so 33 and three fourths. He has about the same arm length as like uh, uh, Frank Clark. Um, I really like I really like Derek Thomas, but he he his Rah. tape his tape. Um, if I had to describe it in one word, g- gross. Um, if I had to describe it in two words. Three words: Big Twelve football. Like it was like the Big Twelveiest. It was like he had to give huge cushion because he clearly was not comfortable. He wasn't reading. super strong for a guy who's like. And big he was and long. only asked to body up on what the strongest I would, receivers. What I would love to see happen with Derek Thomas is he he go, bumps down to our practice squad. He gets to spend one year in the strength program. Hopefully, our strength program doesn't suck. Although. Um, US, we do have the worst yeah. strength program. People, guy. people, people. Um, USC fans celebrated when we signed their strength coach. So I'm not, I'm not holding my breath there. Uh, but maybe you know he just needed to change the scenery because that guy has physical tools that could be really special as a like slide kick Seahawks cornerback. Um, yeah. So Derek Thomas was probably my favorite of the uh, of the the UDFA. You class didn't like Devonte Davis and his uh, just fine at everything but doesn't excel at anything. Do you know yeah, that's Devonte Davis. Isn't uh, watch some tape on that guy? That was I could have 
spent 15 minutes doing something else. Yeah, Devontae Davis, I feel like, does it, is, he's like... Um, if Devontae makes it, Davis makes the roster, that is more of an indictment of everyone else. As in, none of them stepped up in any meaningful way. Yeah. I would really hope that Kalen Reed or Simeon Thomas can show more than that. And then Jalen Harvey is like a safety conversion, uh, but also played wide receiver in college. And I just think he's kind of in the football player I category. I would love to see Derek Thomas and Jalen Harvey make our practice yes, squad. Yes, and I, I want to see Jalen Harvey get, get an opportunity to continue to develop because I think that there's something interesting there. But I don't even know if he sticks as a cornerback. He might end up being like a safety or a slot wide receiver or something. I mean, that he's totally a project. Football right just- right now, he's being <laughs> he's being uh, kind of projected to, to work into corner. So, But we think it's a long road for any of these guys to be making the roster. So, so I think means- we'll probably look at Nico Thorpe. I would say probably it's three of Thorpe, Reed, and Thomas. I think Boykins had his chance. Okay, so it's two of Reed, Thorpe, and Thomas. Yeah, oh, sorry. Thor- Thorpe. Thorpe's got this, baby. Oh, my gosh. Um, I was so scared. So Thorpe has a lot of special team flexibility, which probably puts him in. And then you're looking at Reed versus Thomas. Be- uh, Reed is more of the nickel guy. Uh, would battle with the Keem King, though... In full disclosure, okay. I, I, I could it, easily see us just picking up somebody off the back okay. end of a roster. You said something right there that I'm going to disagree. I think Akeem King is a solid backup outside corner. Uh, he, last year, he performed pretty admirably in that role. We kind of asked a lot of him, and uh, he he delivered. And I don't think he'll ever be starter starter quality, like very, very good. But he might be just like the kind of guy who we want to keep around on a roster for six years as the all-time backup. I'm... I'm a, I think he's flexible and, and pretty good. I think that's pretty high praise, man. My statement was more meaning that before we drafted Ugo Amadi, it was Akeem King and Kalen Reed battling it out for the nickel spot. Oh, yeah. I am so much more comfortable with Akeem King being the primary backup to the outside corners than I am with him being our starting nickel. I'm, it's not even funny. It's, I'm into it. Yeah, starting nickel would be rough for Akeem. I just yeah, think he, that, his he, lateral mobility is not what you want there. But he's but he's a really solid backup corner. Oh, yeah. If, he's, your, if he's our fourth corner... Like our fourth out, our number four outside corner, and we can get somebody a little better than him. Even, uh, man, I'm in. Like I'm all in. Okay, then safeties. Um, well, I'm just gonna assume we're gonna cut Cam Chancellor. Yep. Uh, so that leaves uh, Brad, Tedrick, Delano, and Marquise probably as four guys that, unless Shalom Luani just shows out and makes Delano or Tedrick look bad, it's probably those four guys, right? Yep. Justin Curry and Marwin Evans. Um, thank you for your service, I guess. Marwin Evans is, uh, he's like much older than I thought he was. Let's just say that. Okay. This is why we're not signing Trey Boston right here. Marquise Blair. Okay. So we've talked about him a lot. He looked pretty good and I'm like unreasonably excited about Marquise Blair. Can you guys help me? Do I, I think I might have a Marquise Blair problem. This season even hasn't, hasn't even really started yet. So, uh, (laughs) he's... People were really trying to not say he's the next Cam Chancellor because, like, well, he's, he's he's smaller, he's smaller, and he's not going to play that role. But it's basically like Cam Chancellor light, but he's, I don't know, it's like uh, I don't know, Brandon Browner in the Cam Chancellor role. How's that? Uh, he he's aggressive. He, he may d- play dirty pool. One thing that I like um, is Utah. Utah has him play like twenty yards away from the line of scrimmage a lot, and he still made a lot of plays in the backfield, which is like. It shows a, like a high level of mental processing that really excites me. Like he diagnoses the play, uh, mo- makes a big move, and then ends up right at the line of scrimmage or close to it, hitting a guy. He he needs to be a little bit of a better tackler. He's more of he lunges, he gets these 
bad targeting penalties because he he leads with his head. Um, we need to teach him how to really tackle. And once he really gets that tackling, the 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 mental processing and like the ability to diagnose plays is is super exciting for me from a uh like Seahawks safety perspective. He's a guy who came from uh, the junior college level, um, who has spent a lot of time on the field, who got injured at Utah. Um, he was in a good system. Uh, Kyle Whittingham teaches defense really well there at Utah. But it's funny because mental processing is really good, but his play recognition, I would say, is one of the traits he needs to work on the most. So he processes things really well, but somehow kind of still processes them a little late. Like, you can see he's, him really get caught up in trash and not take very he's good a little, angles. He's a little undisciplined. Like, he doesn't make the... Like, he, he diagnoses what he needs to do, but then he doesn't do it the best way. Right. Like, which is which is different. Because he's, he's just aggressive. Like, he just... He's he's undisciplined. He gets a little over-aggressive, and instead of taking a great angle... You're right. Sometimes he takes a bad angle, but... Or he'll run but he to, knows, like, where the player is and not where they're going to be. He knows what he's supposed There's to be doing, There's things like though. that. Yes. And those things, those things, like... That, those feel coachable. Yeah. And, and like... It's I like just, the tackling. Those are I love watching things. a guy come from literally off the screen... And I'm like watching a play, and I'm like, okay, he's off the screen. The the arrow, it's an arrow with his number on it, pointing off the screen. And then the play starts, and I'm like, what's gonna happen here? Was he gonna tackle the guy like eight yards downfield? All of a sudden, you just see him coming from off screen, just flying down to the line of scrimmage, making a play in the backfield. Like that stuff's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I would be very excited to see a nickel package that has Marquise Blair and Ben Burke Irvin on the field. Just in the preseason, well, like all three, the, and, and, the uh, two of them are Barton going to too. carve people up in the preseason. Barton, Burke, Irvin, and Blair. That if that's like our second team middle of the field uh, defense, like it's th- going to be kind of an interesting. Like, good luck running on that. Yeah, Dude, I last think our year, defense is going to be kind of fun to watch after the starters come out in the preseason, which has not been the case. Well, that's in the thing. Years. Last year we wanted to get faster, and we got faster through the draft this year, and that's what the Seahawks defense used to be, and. I think this year is going to be fun. I think the next year, 2020, when these guys start to grow into their roles, dear Lord. Still love Brad. Marquise Blair is probably most directly pushing Delano Hill for his job. Because Marquise Blair immediately stepped in, and he's getting a lot of looks at that kind of hybrid safety linebacker spot. The one that can move Which is what Delano Hill was asked to do. And Delano Hill, too, another thing that he has, and his skill set is very similar to Marquise's, where in college he was asked to play very deep and sometimes in the box, and he did both of them pretty good. Um, Well, Marquise also, same thing, right? Right, but he just tends to play with an extra gear. Yes, that's the thing. Delano doesn't quite process as quickly um he and just it doesn't have quite the same foot speed i would say yeah not as much range the range of the range of marquise is just it's pretty absurd yeah Uh, so the question becomes do both shalom luani and delano hill make the roster i doubt with 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 some of the way the way that we kind of constructed the roster before i doubt it i doubt both so one of those two guys is probably off and your bet's as good as mine as to which. Shalom was a pretty solid special teams contributor last year. But uh, Delano Hill has been in the past, too, and, and contributes better on the field yeah, on defense. Say, and Delano did a, did a good job in his limited uh, work He's an year. adequate rotational guy if we need him. Yeah, so that's, He's kind of like the Akeem King of the safety spot. I have a hard time seeing Tedrick not making the team. That I agree. Throw, we lack options that, at three. Throw that out there. Like, it just... I don't want to play Brad a ton in single high, and I think if if there's a guy on the roster that can do it, it's Tedrick, who I called 
uh, I think I've called him on this podcast before, a slightly slower Earl Thomas. <laughs> but I, mean, I also think our increase in foot speed at the safety spot makes it so that we don't necessarily have to play single high. I think we're going to see more too high. Like, I know it's not, or or like a, a triples. I mean, the team put a lot of faith in him last year, and I think I at, towards the end of the season, you got you saw those guys start to wear down. It was not, the safeties were not great at the end of last year. They, they no. wore down a little bit. Including Brad, who didn't make a big play in the second half of the yeah. season, basically. Brad did a lot better when he got to play next to Earl, and I think that freed him up to do the things he was good at and kind of ignore the things he's not good at. Yep. And that's that's something that that he uh, he's going to need this year from his like safety group. Kevin said, "I think you're going to see a bunch of different looks this year. There's no reason to go that single high safety because we don't have the player to do it." And Cam Chancellor's still on the roster, and I just want to say, Cam Chancellor, I love you. Uh, uh, I do want to have one more thing, Marquise Blair. Uh, you guys know the stories about his interviews, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, short, like he, yes, sir. He gives, oh, he gives yes, sir. Extremely, extremely minimal answer. answers, but not in a way where he's being like. Uh, hostile or anything. He's just clearly not a guy who says a lot. He's just a business guy, right? Right. Man, a few words. So Ugo Amadi is not, and the two are roommates. <laughs> so they interviewed Ugo Amadi asking him about Marquis Flair. He's like, yeah, he talks. I mean, dude ain't gonna write a long letter anytime soon or nothing. <laughs> he just had a couple of really good lines. I want to see those two on the roster long enough that we can get, you know, some really good locker room banter between them caught on camera. Because I feel like that's a really good social dynamic. I'm, I'm I'm on kind of Ugo Island here. I think Ugo, I want I want all the Ugo Amadi stock, as in I think he'll be a top five nickel safety already, just for, or nickel corner. Yeah, I think he's going to step in it without missing a beat. It's just the step it's off what from, he can do. The step off from Coleman to Amadi is I don't think he's going to be as large as people think. Now it will be a, there will be a drop off because Justin Coleman is an experienced, established NFL veteran who is very good. <laughs> don't uh, get me wrong, but, but I, Coleman also wasn't that when he stepped onto our roster. Yeah, and I think Amadi can can be most of what Justin Coleman is, eighty five percent maybe on that, a very cost controlled four year deal, and maybe be better by the time he's getting his second contract. All right, special teams. Dixon is punting Jesus. We had to overpay Jason Myers because we should have just kept him last year. Tyler Ott's still our long snapper. Here's the question, though. Who returns the kicks next year? Is it Penny or Lockett? Penny. I I would be so mad if it's not Rashad Penny. That's, mm. that's... If it's Lockett, considering he's our, basically our dedicated number one wide receiver right now and a player with an injury history, it's and like... Rashad Penny is a guy who we're looking to extract value from, if it's not Penny, that's that's ridiculous. If it's Lockett, I'm going to freak out every time the ball gets kicked. I mean, I'm okay if somebody else is splitting duties with Penny, as long as the person splitting duties with Penny is not Lockett. Yeah, let it be a strong DB. If it's Ursua, or, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, cool uh, with Ursua. Fast DB. If it's, uh, go, yeah, if it's one of the other wide receivers like, like Ursua well, or like, Keenan Reynolds, if it's J.D. McKissick... I mean... Like fine, yeah, even, even up to 2017, Antonio Brown was still returning punts. Like they, teams do dumb things all the time. Like let's just don't don't sell short. And it would be a dumb thing to have Tyler Lockett still returning punts. Uh, Jason Meyer handling kickoffs. Just put that out there. Jason Meyer's what? Jason Meyer also handling kickoffs. Oh yeah, I guess. Uh, Jason Meyer also much less likely to pull a butt cheek. Than our previous kicker. Why didn't we just keep Jason Myers? All right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Experience, y'all. We got so many Al Bundy memes out of last. I got to make. I got to make a lot of good jokes. All right. You remember that time that Sebastian Janikowski kicked four field goals for Poke High in the championship? We're not going to be able to make a joke about Jason Myers. You know, 
chain smoking before he goes to kick an extra point. That being said, I'll be closely watching Jason Myers to see what meme we can figure out. Because we've had a running meme for our kicker and punter for many a year. All right, patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as a dollar twenty four a month. Get access to our betting picks and other light content. Thanks, Forrest, Chuck Attila, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Bob, Karen, Brett, Mike, David, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, and Nick. You guys are awesome, and you help us keep going and going and going. Even on days like today where me and Kevin both, I think, are like 75%. Yep, I'm I'm literally dead. Okay, Uh, our movie zone today john singleton uh unfortunately passed away uh at the end of april and eric wanted to honor some of his movies so i'm going to start with one and then eric's going to do one and then i think i'm going to do another one so and then kevin's going to sit this one out and uh, sleep on the desk i'm just gonna i'm just gonna snipe in all right too fast too furious i'm gonna be honest I think this is the worst Fast and the Furious movies, but it did three important... Oh, gosh. Microphone fell, and I killed every headphone user that listened to this podcast. I am so sorry. Uh, three. Th- it did three important things for the Fast and the Furious franchise. You ready? Tyrese and Ludacris are now part of the team. That's very important, because they are great characters, a great part of the squad. Okay? It has the best villain of any... Best, most interesting villain of any uh, Fast and the Furious movies. And who is that? Uh, Cole Hauser plays like a ruthless Argentinian drug drug lord. And one thing that's cool is like there's a scene in the movie where a guy takes like a a rat in a cage and has it like eat through a dude's chest. Like it's hardcore, bro. Like it's it's sweet. And then um, and then three, you know, you just get to see like the the R34 Nissan Skyline that Paul Walker drives in. It's really cool. So I'm into it. Uh, I think Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, It's the worst Fast and the Furious movie, but that's still like a. Like a four out of five out of ten, you know, I'll watch it. Uh, Eric, what's your what's your John Singleton? Oh, this is we should have just done this movie instead of doing the John Singleton tribute. Uh, Boys in the Hood. It's John Singleton's first movie. It is arguably his greatest film. It's probably his like only real film. I mean, that can stand up over the time and say that it's a respectful piece of uh, cinema history. This movie came out in the uh, '90s when you know, uh, gangster rap was a big thing and it was, you know, causing a lot of uh, mayhem and havoc and Compton, South- Southeast LA. Uh, this movie was kind of ragged on for, you know, glorifying violence, but John Singleton said, well, we had to put that in the trailer because we wanted people to go see it and then get the message. This movie does have a message and uh, I think this movie stands up. I watched it a couple summers ago, despite some of the outfits that the people are wearing. Uh, this movie is it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Still, uh, it introduced us uh, the acting world to Ice Cube. Uh, it is a reason why at one point we loved Cuba Gooding Jr. It's got Lawrence Fishburne in it. It's got um, my uh, my my future bride uh, that I can't remember her name, so maybe she's not my future bride. She won an Oscar this year. Nathan, Nathan, help me out. With what? Nathan. Regina King. Thank you, Nathan. Yep. Uh, Regina King's in it in a bit. <laughs> Sorry, role. I was planning my uh, my 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 other movie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a great movie if you if you want to watch a uh, a time capsule. It of doesn't 90s pull its punches. It does not, which is appreciated. It's uh, there's some really hard to watch scenes in that movie. It's got some raw emotional moments. Um, it's got a saxophone soundtrack at times. It does. I like the way it sets it up at the beginning with uh, um. Where it starts off with him younger, 
and kind of gives you that like because that's not a huge i'm trying to remember back. i haven't seen this movie forever that's not a big time chunk of the movie no they only spend like 20 minutes? 30 minutes at the oh most. yeah 15 maybe yeah uh in 1984 when it's kind of setting up his background and no, then give my brother's ball back it's a yep. great scene. You jump up to 1991, and it's like, here's where they are now, and you quickly get caught up on what's up because they use like a, it's like a family gathering, right? It's a barbecue. Yeah, it's, it's a barbecue. Uh, they're at a barbecue, and it's like all the worlds colliding because that's the place that you can go and do that. Yeah, and you quickly get to see what's going on with everybody. Doughboy so, just came back from jail, and they're talking about college for the other guys. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a well shot movie. It's very character driven. Um. Yeah. That's some directors. Some directors peak in their first movie, and I'm sorry, John Singleton, but you probably peaked in this movie. No which way, isn't bro. a bad thing, bro. You didn't, peak, got, you didn't peak in that movie. I, do you want me to do this? Because I he, said this would be my movie. He peaked. It, he peaked in a different movie, bro. He peaked in my movie, Four Brothers. That's weird. It's me, Mark Wahlberg. I'm here to. I'm here to talk about my movie. Do you know how many good people are in this movie? We got Tyrese in this movie. We got Outcast in this movie. We got. We got Terrence Howard in this movie. Outcast. Andre. We got Accent Andre Lady. Benjamin. Wait, I mean, Sofira Vergara. Uh, we got Chuito Ejiofor. Chuito Ejiofor? Or Ejiofor? No, yeah. it's, it's, it's Chuito Ejiofor. And there's a DM Taraji during Henson's the in this movie, man. Like, e- there's a lot of good actors in this movie. And this movie has a killer soundtrack. It's got some good action. That fight at the end of the movie is just ridiculous. That it's, fight is like way over the top. We use his hockey skills. It's like five minutes <laughs> long, dude. And, yeah. and I like how he, he finally gains the upper hand because he's a hockey fighter. It's like so <laughs> stupid. But it's so Mark Wahlberg. So uh, Mark Wahlberg plays the, I guess you could say, like the lead brother in a mixed match, mixed race set of four brothers. In a movie All about four brothers. Uh, a movie called Four Brothers about four brothers whose foster mom is murdered. And it brings them all back to the foster house. Yeah, but Chuito Giafor, Chuito Giafor is like the he's he's the bad guy, man. He was the you talking about got Sweet. Yeah, wasn't his name? His name he's something? a drug dealer named Sweet. Wasn't it Victor Sweet or something? Something yeah. like Victor that. Victor Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I like Terrence Howard as like the cop who's like, you don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Terrence Howard plays the cop who's seen some shit. You don't, you don't want to go here, oh boys. Like gosh. he's just, he's just like, don't do this. Yes, <laughs> he's like, I know what's happening, and I'm just gonna warn you. Yeah, you're uh, in over your heads, kids. Yeah, uh, this is a lot of wild, weird, just weird stuff happening. Yeah, this kids. is this is a movie about Mark Wahlberg exacting a blood feud against a drug dealer for killing his adoptive mom. And in the middle of that, there's some weird, like, uh, just brotherly, uh, like, falling back into roles as kids and, like, bickering stuff. There's some weird moments in there. What this. about, like, how at the end of the movie, they when they kill him, uh, when he wins the hockey fight, they put him into, like, a hole in the ice? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget about that? I totally forgot about uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, I, like at the, I like how the movie ends, too, with, like, the other three brothers who aren't mark Wahlberg, like uh they, they the police capture them and like beat the shit out of them and try to get them to confess but they don't yes which <laughs> like, is which is so weird the the police play a really weird role in this movie where they can't decide if they want the police to be like kind of on their side like wink wink nudge nudge or really corrupt or like just kind of passive aggressive jerks and so they're all three which is a, which is an odd thing uh, there's a lot of shots where you're seeing from the point of view of people that are dead or beat up. 
like the camera's on the ground looking up. There's a lot of those shots, which is kind of interesting. Sounds like bad directing to me. Sorry, John. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a poorly directed movie. It's just, it's doing a thing. Yeah, and it's not the it's not the only uh, you know four brothers movie. The sons of the sons of Katie Elder. It was like it's uh, this is it's a, like a it's like a it's like a this a remake is what you're telling us. It is an homage. It's like an homage. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like hey, Django Unchained. To we kind of took this idea and we uh, we. Well, it's kind of like the Sean Connery moon based movie to High Noon. <laughs> Too much, Kevin. I mean, it is kind of like that. Yeah, I know. I'm that. Well, I'm not wrong here. No, that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. Um, it's a tight 109, which I like, uh, not, not crazy long. Uh, this is a good movie to put on while you are folding clothes, while you are, uh, grading papers, if you're a fellow teacher. Meal prepping. Uh, possibly meal prepping. Uh, you don't have to pay attention all the time, but when you look over, there'll be something to look at. There'll be something violent going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely not one to watch while taking care of the children. Does Andre Benjamin have many lines? Uh. That's a no. No, but but uh, the best line in the movie is like Chewil, a geofer. He goes, he goes. Who's, pro- who's gonna who's gonna do it? No, nope. oh. you don't pay. You don't pay a hoda fucker. You pay fucking you pay her to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that couldn't help it, but this not that line kills me every time. <laughs> That's uh, a really dumb line. It's just good. It's just <laughs> stupid and it's good, uh, and probably uh, sounds like a line from The Wire. Probably lost us at least two listeners that I, that I thought that was. Uh, what about like when he's when he's like, uh, they they kill cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? Is it Tyrese? I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah that part's pretty funny too. Um, uh, it's also see. my favorite line in Black Dynamite. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was uh, Black Dynamite. I sell drugs in the community. Black Dynamite. No, it's Mark Wahlberg that says that. It's I just Mark looked Wahlberg. it up. Okay. Oh, gosh. gosh, I don't remember anything from this movie. They Hardly. killed Cornbread. I just remember it was violent, and it was good. And the final fight scene is like way too long. Uh, are we? They could have cut three minutes from that fight scene and got they the point. Have. It was kind of like they live. It's the chicken fight. Yeah. Like you, you kind of survived the fight scene along with them. Uh, can I give a completely different note in movies? Go ahead. Because we're done, right? I mean, yeah, this is... Sure, you're you're an extra time. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, just a real quick thing. If you have Prime, there's a movie that uh, I'm going to recommend, not because it's a great piece of film, but because it's enjoyable and charming. And that's because because Glover is enjoyable and charming. Uh, If you have not seen Guava Island yet, that is a fun free to watch experience it is about an hour long and it's i'm not gonna say that you're gonna find it your greatest movie experience of 2019 but it's one that could easily slip under the radar and i recommend it at a tight 60 minutes huh yeah 56 yeah wow and uh they yeah it has lots of songs and almost as uh, long as half-baked it's like everyone like found out like donald glover and uh rihanna are doing like a secret project and then it turned out to be this like and it's uh, off, Donald Glover being charming for 50 minutes in a 56-minute yeah, like movie. offbeat animated... Uh, well, the, the only the intro's animated. Yeah, but like... And then it's like this kind of weird things going on. I, yeah. It's, who directed this? Uh, I didn't see. I think it's somebody Hero, involved it's, in the Atlanta no, it's, stuff. It's, it's Hiro Mirai, the, the guy who directs like almost every episode of Atlanta. Okay, yeah. Okay. That guy's so good, by the way. Um, yeah, he's directed 14 episodes of Atlanta. And Atlanta is the best. If you're not watching Atlanta... Atlanta on Hulu. One of the reasons I'll be getting Hulu don't, this uh, summer. Don't talk to me. No, I'm just 
Uh, all right. For dude, the, okay. Can I talk about Teddy Perkins that episode of Atlanta right now for like a minute? Yeah, you got <laughs> Go me thinking it. about it. Okay, so do you guys I watch like Atlanta? Do you guys watch Atlanta? Uh, I have only gotten to see about three episodes. They okay. were all and great. Eric, you don't watch it? I just haven't yet. Nathan. So they did this episode. It's called Teddy Perkins, and it's like obviously uh, like a little bit of a homage to to Michael, the weirdness that is Michael Jackson, and so he uh, one of the characters though goes to. Teddy Perkins' house, and he's going there to buy a piano. And when he gets there, Teddy Perkins is like, um, he's like the guy. He's like his face is all bleached. His face looks all weird. Um, he's doing all this weird stuff, like, um, like he eating an ostrich egg and stuff like. <laughs> just like wild stuff happens. In this episode and Darius, the who is uh, Darius is the character that's in the in the uh, in the thing. And dude, it's it's like okay, Don Glover's playing Teddy Perkins, which he didn't say. Um, it says Teddy Perkins as himself in the credits. Like you have to, you have to like, you have to like know that. And there's, it's just so he builds so much tension and it's so creepy, and then like breaks the tension in the funniest way. Like he had Darius, the Darius character goes outside and he calls uh, Donald Glover and uh, Paperboy and all the other, other characters. Uh, you know, Brian Tyree Henry and, and Donald Glover are in the car together, and he's like calls him and he goes, "Hey guys." something weird is going on here like google sammy sosa hat because <laughs> like he's like he's like it's like that man it's like sammy sosa he's like he's, he's like bleached himself it's just sammy sosa looks it's just ridiculous and there's so much tension and uh he's so real i don't know lakeith stanfield is is the actor who plays darius and if you don't like lakeith stanfield you can start liking him anytime if you don't like lakeith stanfield you should watch anything with Lakeith Stanfield in it. If you still don't like Lakeith Stanfield, why are you listening to our movie club? I literally want to watch the girls in the Sp- the girl in the spider's web, the 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 new one, the Feed Alvarez uh, dragon tattoo movie, mostly because I just know that Lakeith Stanfield is in it for like more than one second. And sorry to bother you, really weird movie. He was really good in it. You saw Girl in Spider Web. No, sorry to bother you. Oh, sorry to bother you. I thought you meant sorry to bother you like that. No, I meant the movie. Kevin, we'll sorry talk to about you. that on the way home. I'll watch uh, that this weekend. I you, you, you watch Sorry to Bother You? <laughs> yeah, we should have done that movie because we're going to movie club that coming up uh, next next week. Uh, yeah, but he's got a couple movies coming out that I'm really excited about. Uh, Knives Out. It's like Knives Out has a lot of he's people like a, in it. He's like a it's like a whodunit murder mystery um, with Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Lakeith Stanfield, Michael Shannon, Jamie Lee Curtis. Like it's got some Christopher Plummer's in it. Ricky Lindholm. Like, there's so many good actors. Like, Keith Stamsell is really, really funny, and I like him as an actor. Glover is one of the most charismatic people on screen in the business today. He is just charming as shit all the time. Yeah, so... Um, alright, that's it. It's for Eric Ronnebeck, for Nathan Santo. We will see you next week. Go Hawks!